Good evening. Any questions tonight? Yes. Um, so I was talking with a lot of different devotees recently, and we were kind of wondering um, about the significance of the name we're given at initiation, and kind of wondering maybe how the name is given. Like, is it something that maybe the guru would see a quality in that person, and kind of um, maybe that would grow by kind of like the guru's mercy, or is it kind of like a name that maybe it's like some people are wondering if like it's a maybe a quality like implanted by the guru's mercy or is it just like you just come up with a name because of the first letter of their name i was just wondering mm-hmm. <laughs> the other devotees were wondering too does that make sense yeah okay. yeah it does there are um number of different ways that um, givers of such names have uh, thought about uh, that topic and um, some of them are more esoteric than others um, to give you an esoteric example I believe that uh, Dhyan Chandra Goswami who is a uh, was an associate of Mahaprabhu and uh, resided largely in Jagannath Puri. His guru was Gopal Guru Goswami. Gopal Guru Goswami was, I think, nicknamed Gopal Guru Goswami by Mahaprabhu, who expressed his um, concern at one point because of the fact that when he went to answer the call of nature, he chanted Krishna Nam because his tongue wouldn't wouldn't stop. And so he thought, this is not an appropriate place for worship. He's supposed to become clean and then worship. And uh, so it was Gopal Guru Goswami who said to him that the name purifies any place and so forth and so on. So Mahaprabhu brought this teaching out through him. <clears throat> um, so his disciples, Dhyan Chandra Goswami, and Dhyan Chandra is particularly mentioned by Bhaktivinoda Thakur in his Jaiva Dharmas as one of the uh, principal persons who established a certain uh, system of, of uh, an approach to the Rag Marg that uh, in Bhaktivinoda Thakur's words picked up where Rupa Goswami left off more or less is, is what he was saying. Um, uh, he must have, uh, being a disciple of Gopal Guru Swami, Gopal Guru Goswami um, uh, lived longer than Rupa Goswami and he's kind of a maybe a you know, half a generation um, or so after Rupa Goswami and so taking a prominent position like this and I think that Bhaktivinoda Thakur um, mentions that uh, given the Padati, the book the kind of the handbook that was uh, compiled by Dhyan Chandra and um, it's basically a 
a book that consists um, largely, if not entirely, of various verses to chant, um, glorifying the different um, associates of Krishna, um, in mantras for in, in invoking for the worship of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Navadvip Dham, for example, uh, mantras for worshiping the Panchatattva. Um, it's a it's a, it's focused on Manjari Bhavarada Dasyam, which is the form of Madhurya Rasa that is that uh, to which there is a window in our sampradaya. It's the prominent. Um, Ideal um, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to taste the, the experience, the Baba of Radha, and so this is an outgrowth of that. That it's distributed in a particular way. We can't become Radha, and certainly wouldn't want to become her competitor. But the Goswamis uh, and many others in the Sampradaya um, experience themselves as handmaidens of Radha, not even friends of Radha, but. Not that they're not friendly, but servants of Radha. Hmm. So this is a peculiar uh, form of uh, Madhurya Rasa that is uh, particular to our Sampradaya. And we can speak about it in ways that we could could be fairly, fairly convincing as to its being the zenith of possibilities within sacred aesthetic rapture or Bhakti Rasa as our Sampradaya. Uh, does particularly the works of Raghunath Das Goswami stress this, glorifying really the position of Rupa Goswami, which he follows in the wake in the wake of. The idea there, of course, in brief, being that the younger girls they have some servant relationship um, with with Radha, and they're they're in at least they're prepubescent. And so they have access to the divine couple at times where others um, who are older would, would not, and they can assist them in this way. By the, and by their attachment to Radha, they experience what she experiences vicariously, so to speak, which couldn't be experienced by a competitor because no one can please Krishna more than Radha. Hmm. So Rupa Goswami cites these are the two kinds of Madhurya Rasa, Sambhog and Tadbhava. Sambhog means with a desire to, to, for the pleasure of Krishna, to serve him as um, um, a lover. And and um, you should understand that that's absolutely selfless um, service in itself. Um, but the other division is the Tadbhava. And uh, it's it's maybe more apparent overtly that that, that is a selfless um, service, um, and there in within the Tadbhav, then the Radharani's uh, group, for example, is highlighted because we're following in her um, lead, and uh, um, amongst them there are maybe five divisions that are all Tadbhav, like Lalita Vishakar. A uh, certain type of uh, gopi, what are they called? Uh, Paramaprishta gopis, I think. Udhval uh, Nilmani gives names for them. And then the Priyasakis are their assistants. And so these 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 are all Tadbhav. Hmm? That means they all are 
subordinating themselves to, in this case, Radha, and serving her bhav and imbibing her bhav, rather than being competitors of Radha, like, uh, for example, um, uh, Chandravali, the classic example. But the, the Priyasakis, the Parampreshtasakis, they may, if Krishna uh, uh, approaches them, um, have some vogue with him, hmm? um, uh, or for the pleasure of Radha, she may desire that to please Krishna. She may send them there even. Um, uh, and then uh, the th- going down, the, th- the third division is the um, uh, the Pransakis and then the Sakis. So uh, there's four types. There's a fifth type, Sakis also. They're different, but they're all selfless. And uh, and the Pransakis are, are all Manjaris, like Rupa Manjari. They are eternal associates who are constituted of Krishna's Sarup Shakti, which we talked about last night, how it accompanies him everywhere and takes different shapes and so forth to serve him, right? And then the Nityasakis are Manjaris who have come from this world and attach themselves to the Pransakis and so forth. So these are all uh, different types of, um, of Tadbhav. And then when you get to the, the Manjaris, the Tadbhav, the idea of serving the Bhav of Radha becomes the most extreme Mm-hmm. And so, for example, even if Krishna should want, or even Radha should suggest that they have a direct union with Krishna, they'll never uh, ac- do that. They'll never accept that. In fact, we find Raghunath Das, even in his prayers, uh, criticizing Krishna. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's very, ex- very extreme. Not that some others won't criticize him as well, but, but uh, in an extreme uh, way. Um, um, in, in the context of um, um, making a statement as to the extreme dedication to uh, to Radha, so um, so uh, and we talked a little bit last night about Sakyabab and that influence. I, I described it as a supporting role. So the the, the the main theme then is the romance of Radha and Krishna. Krishna's friends, the Priyasak, Priyanarmasakas, they participate in that in intimate ways, assisting the divine couple and so forth. But uh, I would still call that a supporting role, so to speak. And um, and the uh, 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 Madhurya Ras is the, then is the, what would you call it, the, the main role or what, what, the lead, the lead, the lead, the leading, you know, once Pujapat Sridharmarsh said to me, he told me that I was sitting alone with him and he said, in Vrindavan, um, then, just like in this world, it is pervaded by lust. Hmm? It's pervaded everywhere. This, we're lusting after things, if not people. Um, so it's it, it pervades. So the Madhuri Ras pervades the whole of the Braj Mandal. So it's it's the, it's the main theme of, of of Gokul, which is the center of the lotus of mm-hmm. of Goloka and the, the destination of our our sampradaya. Mm-hmm. So the romance of Radha and Krishna. That's the main theme, right? Um, so so anyway, Dhyan Chandra's book is is centered on the Manjari Bhav. He'll quote from, for example. Uh, 
Sanat Kumar Samhita, that uh, which is uh, actually part of the Shiva 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 Purana, I believe. Uh, so we have a role for Shiva. It's pretty prominent <laughs> in our sampradaya, and um, and that's where the, the, this Manjari Bhav is described. Actually, the characteristic of the Manjari or typical age, uh, dress, services, and so forth. So this is then uh, found there as a kind of prototype, right, of this this particular ideal, how someone would conceive of oneself in terms of that um, that ideal internally in meditation. Um, and so he gives the you know, various verses and so forth. These things can be committed to memory. It also includes some things like hygienic type things, like mantra to wake when you wake up in the morning before you put your foot on the earth. And uh, and so forth. So it's it's a kind of a through mantra, a a, a systematic kind of um, approach uh, for meditating on this um, ideal. <clears throat> so relative to your question, there in the text, <laughs> he 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 mentions that the name of one's parents. Hmm, in the Leela, um, should I think he says it, it should be, be, begin with the letter in the second syllable of the name given at the time of initiation. So this is an esoteric kind of <laughs> <laughs> answer to your question, right? So. What if you have a three-syllable name like Mukunda? Uh, well, then that's okay. But I, I think he said maybe the third syllable. I always thought, well, what if they have a two-syllable name, Krishna Das, you know, and so on. So um, um, apparently there there is a um, some type of system that was uh, developed that um, for um, assigning certain things like this to assist one in meditation. Again, I would call it like kind of a prototype, you know, idea. Um, but he doesn't say about the first name, but also obviously it gives the first name or the initiation name that you get at initiation uh, some very esoteric uh, uh, significance. Um, so uh, otherwise, you know, it's, it's typically obviously a name of Krishna. Um, it would be that idea has been expanded to names of associates of Krishna, things about Krishna, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, and all of those names are like, you could say they're like first names, and the Das or Dasi is the is the family name, a Chuchagotra. So now you've entered, what, what is your Gotra? What is your, your lineage? So um, we say, Vaishnavas have that answer, Achutagotra. So we, we're in the, from the family of Krishna now. We've been, we received a second um, birth. So we're in the family of uh, of, of Krishna. Achutagotra means Achuta, uh, means in the infallible gotra. So this, this family will never fail you, so to speak. Um, so the main name is 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 that Dasi Dasi in one sense, and then you get a, you know you get a first name. It used to be in times gone by when I was younger, then guys 
would often refer to themselves by their by the by the family name. Hmm? I don't know if women did that too, but it was more a custom in a couple decades, a few decades back. Hmm. Uh, just anyway, that's a side point. But um, uh, the fam, in, in one sense, the, the point being that the family name is more significant than the first name. So the Das and the Dasi, is, it's a concept, right, that you're entering into, Krishna Das. And I'm a servant of Krishna, Krishna Das, a servant of Radha Dasi, you know, it may be the case. And um, Krishna, Radha, extensions of themselves. And the, it, it's, you, you don't see a lot of that in the original, uh, you know, Sampradaya, you, you find, you know, Raghunath Das, um, this das that das are all pretty much uh, names of of uh, of Krishna, hmm? not even names of Radha or um, what to speak of other devotees. They are the original devotees, so to speak, of the Gaudiya Sampradaya. Um, you don't, uh, but anyway, that's been obviously extended over the generations and so forth, and, and no harm, right? Um, but um, uh, then a another example that is, I would say, less esoteric, but uh, but subtle at the same time uh, was the system of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who would uh, take the name, the, I think it was the birth name that you were given, right? The birth name. And then the, n- the name that you're given an initiation would be, uh, start with the same letter as your birth name. And he, he was an astrologer, among other things. So I forget the details of this, but someone can chime in, uh, any of the senior devotees remember that, but it was based on an astrological consideration at the time of your birth, but that was also based on a notion and a prominent um, custom of the time that people would be married based on astrological considerations, hmm? and they would beget uh, children based on astrological uh, considerations, and they would name children based on astrological uh, considerations. Hmm. So all of that uh, being in place had some uh, significance, um, obviously there's significance from a, a karmic perspective, and as much as you know, the stars, the, the lines on your hand, uh, so forth, the face of the index of the mind, Physiognomy um, idea that the the gross world comes out of the subtle world. So you can read something about the subtle world, mind, disposition, propensities, nature, and so forth from the physical. Um, but again, I don't know exactly why he, you know, um, carried it like that. Um, I guess he cut. You know, just making conjecture, he, he tied the astrological uh, consideration of the birth with the new birth hmm, into Vaishnavism and connected the two. 
in some way. So that was uh, basically his um, system. Mm-hmm. You've heard that somewhere. Maybe your husband knows he's an astrologer. So, um, uh, but that said, of course, um, most of the disciples, if the vast majority, there was a couple maybe from Germany, were, were all uh, of Hindu birth or Indian uh, uh, birth, uh, born in Bharat, and they had typically names of Krishna. <laughs> And so he he sometimes would keep the name, some but he would only give a name or change a name at the time of mantra diksha, not at the time of giving Harinam. So he would give Harinam, and um, wouldn't change the name. But at the time of diksha, then he would change the name. And so let's take Prabhupada for example. His name was Abhay Charande. Day was the surname, right? Abhay Charande. And so Prabhupada changed his name at the time in to Abhai Charanaravinda. So Abhai means fearless, Charan means feet, it means who is fearless at the feet of Krishna was the implication. So he changed Charan to Charanaravinda, lotus feet. He was fearless at the lotus feet of Krishna. It it did characterize Prabhupada, Uh, he he did seem quite quite fearless. And there are other things to be said about that as well. Um, I... uh, well, I, I won't mention it, but um, <laughs> well, okay. Then I I I was con- contemplating the subject, and uh, then I had a mystical uh, dream, in which Prabhupada came to me at Agni Dave's house. I don't think if I told you that, but it was at your house in Santa Rosa where I was staying, and you had a room there that you would give me, and I had a dream in the night, and I asked Prabhupada, Prabhupada. I was sitting with him and I said, what is your name in the in the uh, Krishna Leela? Hmm? And so he looked at me and he chuckled and he said, why do you think I've kept the initials AC? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> to, you know, because he could call it AC, Bhakti Vedanta. So. Hmm. I said, it must be a Bhai Gopa. So. Yeah. Yeah. He seemed to like that. So uh, we, we've composed uh, a, ver- a verse and we sing that every day that... Uh, that celebrates that um, transmission, if you will. So, the fearless, fearless at the feet of Krishna, Gopa, <laughs> fearless. So, um, that said, um, Prabhupada, by Charanadavinda Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, he gave initiation and he gave, of course, names at the time of giving Harinam, mm-hmm. because people had names like Cindy and Mary and Bob and Joe. <laughs> and so, um, uh, uh, and he also had them take a vow to chant a certain number of times and to abstain from certain things and so forth. So he made more out of the first, if you will, when he was his term, first initiation, than um, was done Previously, because after all, it's it's stated in the shastras that the Hari Nam is independent of diksha. Diksha means initiation. Diksha to to it means dadati to to transmit uh, dibhyan, divine knowledge into the heart, right, through the medium of of mantra. 
Um, that's what initiation is. And Harinam, which is non-different from Krishna, the name is non-different than the named, is independent of Diksha. Hmm? So he can, he can give himself to anybody that he wants to. Of course, we see typically that he doesn't do that. He gives himself um, through the devotees, or the devotees give Krishna to others by way of giving them bhakti, and then Krishna is forced to go there, because wherever bhakti is, he has to go there. He has to be there. Hmm? So, um, <clears throat> um, so in uh, previous generations, there wasn't as much emphasis on the initiation of Harinam. So you can find, for example, uh, other um, persons in the Guru Parampara coming from Bhakti Siddhanta who are now active, like they would be like disciples. Let's take, for example, Bhakti Pragyan Keshava Maharaj, Prabhupada's godbrother, who Prabhupada took sannyas from. So a prominent disciple of his, you know, is uh, Bhaktivedanta Narayan Maharaj, hmm? who would be like an uncle, or not like an uncle, like a cousin, you know, to me. Sridhar Maharaj being like an uncle, Keshav Maharaj being like an uncle. Um, so then you have the disciple of Narayan Maharaj. Now he has some disciples that are giving initiation. And they would tend to follow a system that Keshav Marsh followed, for example, in India, which would be, which was more characteristic of Bhakti Siddhanta to give Hari Nam to people. They wouldn't necessarily change their name, but they would give it out freely. Now, if they're giving it out in Western countries, then they might change the name. But they have a tendency to give Hari Nam to anybody. I mean, Narayan Marsh once gave Hari Nam to a stewardess on an airplane. Hmm. <laughs> Um, so they don't look at it um, in the same way based on the statement that I'm mentioning from Shastra that Krishna is independent of, of Diksha. Um, but typically, of course, Krishna gives himself through through Diksha. So to not accept Diksha, not take Ashish from the Guru, um, is also then becomes an offense to Harinam because to disregard the guru is a namaparad. Um, so so therefore they uh, they would give the initiation out kind of like to engage anybody in chanting and and if if after some time they had a better understanding then those persons would be qualified to take um, diksha. And they could take from whomever. Hmm? From the typically from the person who gave them Harinam, but it might be from um, uh, another devotee who inspired them, and so forth. So, so you can find that um, um, way in which Harinam is given in comparison to the way that Prabhupada did, which was more like strict, and he was concerned that these people had been practicing for some time, and they had some someone again. He typically would like give initiation after like six months of something, and being recommended by the the temple president and so forth. Uh, so I'll just this is a way of just saying there's different ways that this is, can be done. There are details and then there are principles. So we have to look and see what the principles are and see the details. And instead of thinking I got it like this, he got it like he said, this is wrong. They did it wrong over there. You know, there are different ways that it might be done. 
Um, but that doesn't say anything about the significance of the name. Um, but back to Prabhupada's system of giving the names, I don't know exactly what he uh, thought in the beginning, um, but he did follow a kind of, uh, what would you call it, um, a uh, facsimile of, uh, of what Bhakti Siddhanta did. Because if your name was Bob, he would say, your name is Babru Das, you know, or, or hmm, Bhagwan Das. And so, you know, all those other considerations that I mentioned earlier were taken into account by Bhakti Siddhanta obviously weren't in place. Their parents weren't married based on astrological calculations. They didn't conceive of a child or name a child based on astrological calculations. They called him Bob or Tom, mm-hmm. Dick Harry or Mary, and Prabhupada changed their names and usually usually kept the first letter. So if your name was Mary, you might become Madhavi. Mm-hmm. Um, so he followed, you know, an approximation of that system uh, that becomes less meaningful in terms of what it meant for Bhakti Siddhanta, but there was no alternative. You know, so, so he kept in place something of the system of Bhakti Siddhanta that uh, that could be kept in place. Mm-hmm. Um, um, keeping the corresponding with the first letter of the of a given name at birth, you know. Um, and um, as time went on, of course, and he had many, yes. I guess I, I know you're elaborating on how it's chosen based on the first letter of the name, but then the next question would be, just like a little question in this would be, why would you give them a name that doesn't? For instance, Haridas was Peter. Yeah, well, we'll get to all that. (laughs) So, um, as Prabhupada's mission uh, developed um, and many, many students came, then um, his capacity to initiate them, in order to do that, he took assistance from senior disciples. Um, on more than one occasion, for example, Prabhupada asked me to chant on the beads that of someone who would become his disciple because he had so many beads to chant on. And other other sannyasis were asked to chant. So, uh, you know, Prabhupada was going to give initiation to 30 people or 50 people or something like that. So he gave some beads and other senior devotees would chant on them, give them back to Prabhupada than Prabhupada would give them at the time of initiation. And also, Prabhupada um, sometimes engaged Pradyumna, who was his Sanskritist, and maybe some others, in going through the books. And here's, you know, Tom, Dick, Harry, and Mary are going to get initiated today. And they would go through the book and they would pick out a name, you know. Triparari, you know, Agni, you know, Dulal, Chandra. So, or, you know, know, T-M-H, whatever, (laughs) Tom, Dick, and Harry, um, Mary. And that's how the the names, then they would give the names to Prabhupada. So you see that there's a 
I'm going from one extreme in one sense to another, right? There seemed to be a very deep esoteric significance in the John Chandra's system, and as we come all the way up to the contemporary times and, and, and Prabhupada's um, mission, there doesn't seem to be as esoteric of a um, uh, significance, and where wherein then we go back to what I said earlier, the primary emphasis is on the second, the family and the surname, Das, Dasi, that kind of uh, conception. And then we then then we, we think about that. The guru gives it's any name of Krishna, and it 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 any name of Krishna or related to Krishna, let's say, it it's an opportunity for the devotee to uh, further his or her identification with uh, Krishna, and uh, um, by re- uh, remembering him. You know, any time anybody says your name, or you say another devotee's name, or anybody asks your name, uh, obviously it's it's powerful in that sense. Any name of Krishna, it's very powerful or related to Krishna, um, and it's one of the th- five um, ingredients of initiation that Bhaktivinoda Thakur gives to. Uh, I believe, isn't it? Uh, uh, tapa, Pundra, Yajna, Mantra, and Nam. Hmm? So typically, again, we go back to Bhakti Siddhanta. So we would give the name at the time of Diksha when you would give the mantra. You'd give the Tapa, which would be like Krishna. This is top. See, tattooed here with Tilak. See Krishna's name like this. Uh, it used to be that you would brand people with the symbols of Vishnu, sort of tattoo them or something like that. Mm-hmm. So these are ways to remember this body is a sadhaka day. It's meant for the use of Krishna's service. So Pandpundra, Tilak, get Tilak. Bhakti Siddhanta was, Bhakti Vinodhaka was once criticized by one sadhu for not wearing Tilak. And he was writing books at the time. He said, well, I haven't been initiated yet. <laughs> he was writing books about Krishna consciousness. Uh, some of the books he wrote were before he was initiated. So um, so that time you got Tilak, and you get a name. Hmm. Um, so the overall principle is to... Uh, uh, um, this new birth, uh, second birth, if you will... Uh, new body, new identity, and uh, it's all in the service of, all in the remembrance of Krishna. Uh, so this is our way of deconstructing or dismantling the false ego by way of establishing another ego means identity, another identity hmm? through through Tilak. It's a prominent way I identify myself and. Maybe through dress, through mm, Prabhupada liked his male disciples to have shaved heads, Sikas, for example. We talked about that at at one point um, also, Um, uh, and so forth. So um, um, I think that regardless of how you could, I seem to make a case 
that having a, if I ask my student, can you pick out a name for Mary, you know, from the book, that it has less esoteric significance, I wouldn't think of it like that. It, 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 it's coming through the guru and it's meant to help you identify um, as, a, as a sadhaka. Hmm? And, um, and that said, then to, to go um, further, there may be other considerations um, where uh, in the um, interest of serving the principle, hmm, the guru may choose names if he or she has the capacity to do so, let's say giving a given that you've got maybe a smaller group. Hmm? Prabhupada had a big group, so uh, he couldn't be closely associated on a personal level with so many disciples, instruct them, teach them. He was busy writing books and and sharing them in that way. And some persons were initiated by Prabhupada through a representative and Prabhupada wasn't there, heard the mantra on a tape and some of them never met Prabhupada personally, just a few. Hmm? You met him, right? No. Well, there she's an example. She received the Hari Nam from Prabhupada. And she never met him personally, so it was a you know big mission. So it was a it was a kind of a extraordinary event in the uh, you know Gaudiya history, Prabhupada's dispensation, a big wave, tsunami, so to speak. But uh, it should be followed by other waves that are also waves and also reach the shore and and uh, and so forth. Um, with you know charting a new course and you know Columbus, I guess it really wasn't him who discovered America, but anyway, somebody came and you know, made the big journey, and then so many boats came after that, <laughs> right? Uh, so um, so there may be reasons for a guru to choose a name that just just in in terms of serving the principle. I want the disciple to identify with, I'm a servant of Krishna, with the name. He might, she might take into consideration characteristics of the guru, might take into consideration the, that maybe the guru, maybe there are some that come, like Narayan, Gore Narayan came with the name Narayan Das because his mother father named him Narayan after Rajamil, hoping that they would think of him at the time of death and, <laughs> and be liberated. Hmm. And um, so, a person like myself in my position might want to honor th- those two Vaishnavas, giving a name, and and at the same time alter it, change it, because he probably wanted a different name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he became Gordon Ryan, which is a, a name for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also. So there may be any number of ways in which the guru may th- may think about it. Given, especially if you have a smaller situation, that um, or like just let's say, for example, uh, you know, you, you meet a god sister and say, "What's your name?" and she says, "Sumati," and you say, "That's my name, Sumati." So there's a tendency to think, you know, I've got a spiritual name, you know, it's unique, and then you find out, well, there's ten different sumatis, right, and and so on. So, um, 
someone in a smaller situation might avoid that by of choosing a unique, different name for everybody, which is kind of you know kind of nice, and yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, and so forth. So there may be any any number of considerations if if you in terms of as I say to to uh, deliver the the principle. Hmm? And uh, you know, it might take into it might take into certain take take certain characteristics of the person. That's another thing is that is that bhakti is not inherent in the jiva; it comes through sadhusanga, right? But we may have bhakti inherent in us in this body because we had sadhusanga in previous times. Some devotees come, and we can see they're coming for the first time to Vaishnavism. We can see others have come. They were initiated in previous lives. Hmm? Hmm? Then, you, so then you might that might be a factor that you take into consideration. And then, then you see, you may see something about their nature, their spiritual nature, that's developing as a result of their bhakti, and give a name accordingly. You might see, oh, this person is is coming. He has affinity for sakirati. From the past, therefore, he's coming here, where the line of Prabhupada, where it's prominent, and so forth, and then might give a name according something like for would be a, an example. Hmm? So there may be any which would maybe give a more esoteric um, consideration, but I mean it's not like well anyway. So there's any number of ways it could be um, thought about and reasons why you wouldn't choose the first letter and and, and to answer your question. And so forth, but um, because we would assume uh, the, uh, all the gurus understand the principle, and uh, and then with uh, names would be uh, be honored. Hmm. That said, also sometimes um, gurus will change names. Prabhupada changed the names of some of his disciples, who he gave a name. He gave, um, for example, uh, some of you may know. Um, um, Patitapavana, he changed his name? He changed it to Patitapavana. But Panchadarita's name was changed too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Panchadarita was his name was, was at second initiation. Prabhupada gave him a different name, name at first initiation. And then because he was preaching in South India, which is the Panchadarita, the five provinces in the south, Prabhupada changed his name when he gave him Diksha to Panchadarita Das. Which is where where bhakti in the Bhagavatam is said to be prominent along the banks of the Kaveri and and so forth and so Prabhupada changed his name so that so names could be changed and of course um, sorry my brother was uh, took initiation in Philadelphia from Prabhupada and uh, the disciples had picked out a name and I should know it but I don't and uh, when he was getting his beads he said what is the name and they said something and he said no Tejaprakash. And then he would suggest, if they had such faith in him, to, to, to tweak it, to make it a right name. Hmm. Um, 
And uh, he saw that as a titular adjustment. That titular uh, adjustment. What did he say? Hmm? He said he made a titular adjustment. What's that word that Chidamar used? Make a little adjustment. Titular adjustment. Yeah, it's like what Sarvabhauma wanted to do, or something with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Bharati name, or something like that. Um, so he said, Prabhupada, he saw it as a some insignificant uh, menial service to, to Prabhupada. To, tidy that up or something like that. In those instances, so there were several of them actually, um, their names didn't seem to, they might have heard it wrong and you know, went with it. and there are, are other examples, right? Yeah? My friend Veda Mata. Veda, I, was, I was thinking of her, yeah, Veda Mata. It was just a letter that was read to her and it sounded like Veda Mata and this was back in 1972 or something. Mm-hmm. She, just last year she saw Found the letter. The letter. The first time, her name was Vedanta. Vedanta. <laughs> but she's a nice devotee, nonetheless. <laughs> Vedanta. Uh, Vedanta Nasi. So, so, you know, there. Uh, uh, the, anyway, that's uh, my answer. <laughs> yes. Krishna, have you noticed that there's an abundance of Chris's? Chris's? Yeah, like, like too many. There's like at least six just off the that I know, and I don't know many. many you mean their names were Chris? Yeah, yeah. So can maybe it's a conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 just see. Okay. There you go. See, she's a real Vaishnavi. He's got the. Vaishnavi answer. Hmm? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, some thoughts on that, Agni Um As you said, the bhakti is not inherent. Yeah. Indeed. Immediately the verse came to mind. That verse is a Bengali verse of, 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 of uh, composed by um, Krishnadas Kabiraj, and it's a Bengali um, rendering, really, of the import of a verse in Sanskrit of Rupa Goswami from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu that defines uh, sadhana bhakti. So when Rupa Goswami begins in the second chapter to, to discuss sadhana bhakti, he defines it. Mm-hmm. How's that verse go, Maharaj? Do you remember? Um, um, anyway, it says the same thing. So if you want to understand the meaning of that, and 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 the way that Krishnadas uh, wrote in Chaitanya Charitamrita is he would make a philosophical point in Bengali, and then he would support it with a with a pranam verse from Bhagavatam or. Purana or from the Goswami's works. Hmm? So you'll see that where that verse you're citing, if you look, you'll find the other verse from Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu is, is nearby there. Hmm? 
as a pramana, or sometimes he does the praman verse first and then the Bengali, or usually it comes afterwards and so forth. So um, he would say, like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said this, and then you know, he says it in Bengali. So there, um, the what the verse is saying, it's defining sadhana. So it says sadhana is a um, practice in which bhakti is performed with the senses, like with the tongue, with the ears, for example, hearing and chanting. Hmm? So bhakti comes on the senses. Hmm? And um, by the culture of this sadhana bhakti, bhava bhakti results. Now bhava bhakti means that to bhakti there's there's an active and emotive component. There's an internal, there's an external, so to speak. So uh, there's in sadhana bhakti, there's activity with the senses we're doing bhakti. But there may not be much emotion, spiritual emotion, if any, that that is arising out of, that's driving that. But we've learned it, so we've heard about it, we see it in others, so we imitate, so to speak. Imitation of a good thing is can be a good thing. Hmm? And so we, we, we're kind of like, in sadhana bhakti, kind of like an apprentice. So you're going through the motions, you're doing what you're supposed to do, and so forth, and at some point, you're going to actually get paid <laughs> for the work, uh, something like that. So in you know in in bhava bhakti, then this the the there is a emotive transcendental emotional experience that then drives those same activities. Hearing and chanting are driven by emotion rather than by imitation. Um, they're not just done with the senses. They're actually coming from an atma, from really from a subtle body that has been imbued with the sarup shakti, hmm? baba. It just, what is it? Sudha sattvisheshatma prema suryamsu samyabhak. Like a ray of the sun of prema, bhava comes in. Rujibis, chitibis, it takes over the chitta hmm? entirely. And then um, then the, then the hearing and chanting, etc., is driven by that. Hmm? That's bhakti proper. Okay, so the verse says that by hearing and chanting, hmm, the Sanskrit verse of Rupa Goswami, by by doing bhakti with the senses, the result is that bhava, that is nityasiddha, nityasiddhasya, Matt Marsh may be looking for the verse. I think even that word is used, nityasiddhasya. I forget it. The, the eternally existing bhava hmm? Hmm? Um, uh, uh, appears in the devotee. Vishwanath Chakravartitakura in his commentary gives an example. Krishna's living in the prison of Kamsa, but he's not from there. Hmm? But he's appearing there. So bhakti, which is nityasiddha, prem, bhava, the goal, in other words, of your practice is something that eternally exists. If the goal of your practice is not something that already eternally exists, then you're in the material world. 
your 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 goals are temporary things, and 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 they come come about by your by your effort. So the bhakti that, that we will attain doesn't come about by our effort. It's existing. There is some effort for cleansing the heart through bhakti. Hmm? That this bhakti will bhava will ascend again. The definition of of bhava. I cited earlier, Suda Sattva Visheshatma Prema Suryamsu Samyabhak. So it, it comes as a ray from Prem. So it's it's not it's not that you have Prem inside of you. You wouldn't have any problems if you did, right? Mm-hmm. So the the, the 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 sun of Prem, a ray of that comes mm-hmm. through through Sadhu Sangha, we get influenced by that, and then subsequent practice by which we imitate what the sadhus do, mm-hmm. their deity we worship also. Because we got got some scar for that kind of bhakti, and then that abhava appears within us. It descends from there, so it's eternally existing. As I said the other night, in the form of the associates of Krishna, who are constituted with sarup shakti. So wherever Krishna goes, that sarup shakti is there, and it's not just some like holy ghost or something like that, right? It takes shapes, right? And sir, and he's got a shape as a result. Of the influence of that sarup shakti, hmm? the form of Krishna is arising out of the sarup shakti, and then the forms of the associates and so forth. Right? So this sarup shakti, I mean, the whole Bhakti Sandarbha, or a huge portion of it, is all about the fact that there is a sarup, something called a sarup shakti. It's a huge, huge theological uh, point of, uh, of of of, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Hmm? That this internal shakti, all the implications of that, with that. Again, therefore, God has eternal form. There are associates. There's lila, uh, and so forth. It's all conducted by that. And so, the essence of the sarup shakti, bhakti, is constituted of that essence. Hmm? So, through param, the param, guru parampara, a ray of that comes, and and then um, we get initiation, we get the mantra, and so forth, and then it uh, it descends within us. So the verse in Bengali, what's the verse in Sanskrit? Yeah. And in Bengali, uh, Krishna Prem Nitya Siddha Sadhya Krishna Prem is eternally perfect it's eternal existing. It's eternal, per, eternal perfection. You want a perfection that's eternal because if it's not, it's not perfect, right? Nitya Siddha, Nitya, Nitya, uh, what is it? Uh, Krishna, Nitya, Nitya Siddha Krishna Prem, Sadhya Bunai. Hmm? He's saying it in a negative way. It's not something that's made up or or that didn't exist previously. It's eternal existing. It's not something that it, that that didn't exist previously that you put together and made. Mm-hmm. I took earth, water, and fire, put it together, and I, I got a house. It wasn't existing previously. It's not like that. Through hearing and chanting, Shravanadi means hearing, chanting, etc. Remembering, needy worship, and so forth. The implication is with the senses. Hmm? Shravanadi, Sudha Chitte. The Chitta hmm, becomes Sudha, becomes cleansed. Chetadapranamarjanam, as Mahaprabhu said, the same same idea. The Chitta becomes cleansed 
hmm? and Kore Udai, that Krishna Prem appears there. How does it appear there? Because when the chitta is not cleansed, given the example of Mahaprabhu, it's like a mirror. So if I face a mirror over there, I'm going to get a reflection on it. Here, here. So our in our chitta, all these impressions are coming that are reflections. Chitta is awareness. We're reflecting you know, on the world. And impressions are coming back. And the impressions are driving our actions and so forth. So when you cleanse the chitta of all those impressions, hmm, in the context of bhakti, what you're doing, you're cleansing it by way of putting a different impression. You're putting the mirror of the chitta on Krishna. You're focusing it on Krishna and your sadhaka deya, consisting of your senses, is only engaged in sense objects for the service of Krishna. The chitta is here. Senses are going all, all places for Krishna, but this chitta is always here. And so you're f- cleansing the, the, the material samskars mm, in the context of putting bhakti samskars on. And at a certain point, the, the image comes, right? The image. The image of who you are. So you get a new ahankar, a new identity, comes starts to form in that chitta that corresponds with the eternal bhavas that are existing, that come to us through Guru Parampara and, uh, and, and Sada Sangha. So, um, uh, um, um, so that having happened, then you know, it's going to carry over to the next birth, hmm, for example. And so then, there, then it's inherent in that sense. But the origin of bhakti is not the jiva. In other words, you can look at anywhere you look. Look at the Bhagavad Gita. The second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita describes the jiva, right? The atma. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not this. It's not like that. It doesn't. This doesn't happen. It's amazing. So many things says about it. It doesn't say. And and bhakti is also part. And the swarup shakti is also part of the tatasta shakti. You never heard that, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So we know there's the swarup shakti. We know there's the maya shakti. We know there's the tatasta shakti. We know we're the Tatasta Shakti. We know there's no Maya Shakti in our constitution. We should also know there's no Sarup Shakti in our constitution because it's a different Shakti. Hmm? These are three distinct and primary principal Shaktis. There are innumerable Shaktis, but these three are you know, kind of primary. They kind of describe the whole world, the spiritual world, the material world. The material world's made up of the, of the combination of the two, Maya Shakti and the Jiva Shakti don't really combine, right? So you, you, you know, oil on water, they don't they don't mix. So you, you you never mix with the Maya Shakti. It's Achit, hmm. Asat, Nirananda, your Satchitananda, Anu. Now the Sarup Shakti is Chit, but it's it's like Satchitananda on steroids. So it's like it's a whole different. It has the power to completely conquer Krishna, right? What to speak of dispel Maya? If we had it in us, we could dispel Maya easily. It was there. I mean, wherever it is, there can be no Maya. Wherever it, that Sarup Shakti is, who else is there? Krishna. Hmm? He's always in the orbit of the Sarup Shakti. Hmm? Now we can say that the Paramatma is in the Jiva, right? But that he doesn't. He's not like inherent. In the jiva, 
I mean, well, he, we come from the Paramatma, there's the one becomes many, and then he goes along with us, so to speak. The example is given two birds in the same tree. It's not one bird inside of another one. (laughs) The bird being, one bird being the jiva, the other bird being Krishna, the body being the tree. So if you want to take the heart, you know, as the center of the body, you know, and that the jiva's in the heart, right? The atma's in the heart, and Krishna's in the heart, but the but the Krishna's not in the in 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 the jiva in that way. I mean, he is and he isn't. But um, the example is, as I say, two birds in the same tree, not one bird inside of another bird. Um, uh, if you want to say. In Vedanta Sutra, for example, Baldevadivusan in his commentary says that the idea of Vishnu in the heart to meditate on is for meditation. It's 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 not like that Vishnu is really in the heart. People say, I got a heart transplant. Vishnu went over there. I got another. You know, is Vishnu? In the, you know, it's 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 a it's a tool for contemplation, for meditation, to conceive. Of the Vishnu in the heart, hmm? uh, uh, Krishna's in the heart of the jivas who remember him. I mean, here we have to go to Paramatma Sandarbha and understand the relationship between the jiva and the Paramatma. But the point is that the that that, that the yes, Paramatma's Mahasankarshan that, that the Paramatma Mahavishnu's expansion of is the source of the Tatasta Shakti. Hmm? So as I said, we have some inborn kind of affinity for our source, natural kind of pursuit, interest in, in our source, and so forth. Um, but that same source, avatar, is in the world to teach and to give bhakti. So karma is the force that runs the world, and bhakti is the force by which we can get out of the world, and there's an adi bhakti in the world also, like there's an adi karma. Karma without beginning. There's bhakti since as long as there is ever the world and there's no beginning to it. There's devotees in it. There's the Vedas are expanded and and so forth as a means to get out. Hmm? So um, so this circulating of the of the devotees and the descent of Bhagwan as avatars. All this is bringing bhakti into into the world and making it available. And so we get, we get what is a samskar? A samskar is an impression. How do you get an impression? It's something that impresses upon you. It's not like I've got an Im- the impressions are not internal in a sense; they're from outside. So we get imp- the same as our 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 karnam gunasangasam sadasad yoni janmashu. The karnam is gunasanga of our births. That the the cause of our births in different situations and so forth is gunasanga, association with the modes of nature. Hmm? So the cause of our standing in the spiritual world is nirgunasanga. Hmm? <laughs> nirgunasanga. That means to associate with bhakti hmm? from that world. So it's a dispensation from that world. It's a gift, right? Isn't it the gift of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, this special rag bhakti? If it's already there, Where's the gift? Hmm. If it's already there, why plant the seed? Hmm. And if it's already there, that means that the jiva is in part 
constituted the Sarup Shakti. Now you've just combined two Shaktis that can't even be combined in the spiritual world. That's why I said earlier, there are Pransakis and there are Nityasakis. Hmm? Two forms of the Manjaris. One is constituted as Sarup Shakti, the other is the Tatas Shakti, imbued with Sarup Shakti. You can't mix the Maya Shakti with the Jiva. It's Achit, and we're Chit. The Sarup Shakti is Chit, though. So there can be some closer uh, combining, if if you will, in a sense. But the Tatasta Shakti remains a Tatasta Shakti. It doesn't, you don't become the Sarup Shakti. Hmm? You, you don't, you, you, otherwise, there would be a transformation, and the Atma is not subject to transformation. So mm-hmm. it's an environment. And as I said before many times, we are of a nature that lends ourselves to nurture. So we are nurtured by the Maya Shakti. We have an identity accordingly. We get nurtured by Bhakti, which comes from the Paravyom. Hmm? Then we have an identity that arises out of that. Hmm? And that environment is very friendly, so we can feel at home there, because it's a chit environment, and we're chit by nature. But we don't become the Sarup Shakti. In the Sandarbhas, in, in, in the, uh, Jiva Goswami makes the point that there are Nitya Siddhas who are also Tatasta Shakti, and there are Tatasta Shakti that are Nitya Bhadhas. There are those who are eternally liberated, those that are eternally conditioned, those that are eternally conditioned can become sadhana siddhas. Through sadhana, or kripa, or mercy, they can become siddhas. The, the point is, and he cites a couple of examples of, of persons, figures in the, in the spiritual world that are tatasta shakti, that have never been in the material world. The point there is to illustrate that the idea that this tatasta shakti can reside in both realms. So there are examples. People are residing there of that nature. So you can go there, hmm? is the idea. Hmm? But they're still Tatasta Shakti, but they can be imbued with the Sarup Shakti. Uh, I've given an example, something like, if a young boy falls in love with a young girl, then he gets some Shakti from her. Hmm? And he, he he's still the same guy, but he, but he becomes more. So he feels more full, more you know complete. And so there's this chemistry, right? Hmm? So falling in love with Krishna, there's this there's this chemistry, and it means that you are under the influence of this sarup shakti that is, that is that is what's loving Krishna. It's loving. That's what it does. It loves Krishna. Now you're under the influence, so you're loving Krishna. You're moving with it. Hmm? Um, so there's lots and lots of problems philosophically with the idea, as I'm pointing out. That bhakti is inherent. Hmm? It contradicts the idea that that it is a ray of the sun of Prem that comes hmm, at a certain point. It's, it's not already there. Uh, now, sometimes Prabhupada talked about it, and Bhakti Vinod did t- also in a way by saying it awakens. Bhakti Vinod's policy was you had to take into consideration um, why he wrote in certain ways. Um, relative to his circumstances. So you, there were these lineages uh, coming from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nityanandapu, and so forth in Bengal that were had deteriorated to being something like a profession. And so I'm in the line of Nityananda, 22 generations, and there, this is my profession that I give Diksha, 
and I make a living like this. Hmm? And um, and you can't get to the, the preem of Chaitanya without coming through me. And uh, it 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 was not um, in some instances it was it was it was not very pretty. Hmm? Um, and you know there is an abuse. So we find this in different religious traditions that these ideas can be uh, abused. And so there was a they were they were selling the diksha so to speak, hmm? and they had no siksha to give because just like a family tradition. They didn't study the Sandarbhas <laughs> and whatnot. That's why you find Bhaktivinoda Thakur emphasizing siksha over diksha. It's all relative to the climate. Hmm? Because there were all kinds of nominal Vaishnavas who were initiated, because you're supposed to get initiated. Okay, what does it mean? What the significance of it is? You know, many of them didn't know. They weren't getting any, any Sambandha Gyan. Gurus were selling the mantras. And they didn't have any sambandhagana given. People weren't making any progress. In fact, they were doing things that were misrepresentative of Gaudiya Vaishnavism and giving it a bad name. Hmm? So he comes along and says, forget about this diksha. Hmm? Not, not forget about it, but siksha is more important here. We've got to give siksha. Hmm? And, um, of course, he also gave diksha. Bhaktisiddhanta also gave diksha, but they emphasized siksha at the time. It's not that siksha is more important than, than diksha. One's a seed, you know, one's a watering. So you, 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 you need both, right? But the, according to the time, they dismissed, to a large extent, all these kind of pseudo-initiations and so forth and gave an emphasis. And therefore, Bhaktivinoda was writing so many books because he said, there's a need for siksha here. So he wrote 100 books hmm? and, uh, and, and so forth. Of course, he also gave diksha, but uh, just to emphasize the point. And, uh, and then when people said, you know, unless you come to me and are prepared to drink my urine, hmm, then you're not going to be able to get the wealth of our Bengali savior, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. I mean, they said things like this, literally. And that's, and they quote some verse that, you know, seems to support that or whatever. And that's the some substance of the Sambandha again. Uh, you know, so, um, so Bhakti Vinod, you know, he would say at times, you know, hey, you know, it's it's already there, just chant Hare Krishna, you know, get good association, it'll come out, you know. Well, you don't have to go and get it to him. It's, 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 so uh, there are some statements like that. To that, and Prabhupada made some statements like that too. Now you can look closely at Bhaktivinoda Thakur, and you can see actually he's teaching something else hmm? than what that sounds like. And you can do the same with Prabhupada. In the same Chaitanya Charitamrita, where Prabhupada he gives it even a purport like that. He says it awakens. It's already there. It's not an artificial imposition. Um, I didn't come to give you something that was the, the new. It's already there, you know, to come out. This preaching isn't bad necessarily, until it comes to the point where you you know get a re- more refined understanding of the teaching and and then you know sort out and you see oh it's kind of a kind of a strategy in a sense to bring people in uh, or you know just a just a kind of a more um, abbreviated way of you know, talking about it. Uh, and Prabhupada was abbreviating many, many, many things. Hmm? Um, given, you, you have to if your outreach is going to be so broad, right? And um, But in the same Chaitanya Chaitanya Prabhupada makes it clear, uh, uh, and there's one purport where it says that, that without 
the and he used the word ingress, but something similar without the ingress of the sarup shakti into the jiva. There's no question of attaining bhakti. So you know you, you look and you find he says the opposite, and then you know you in 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 this topic. If you talk about this topic long enough, it's going to morph into another topic. Where's the jiva come from? <laughs> if you talk about where's the jiva come from long enough, it's going to morph into this topic. So if you're clear on the first part, on on the one, you didn't come from Goloka Vrindavan, that's for sure, or Vaikuntha. Hmm? You didn't fall from there. If you're clear on that one, then you'll be able to get clear on this this other related issue. Hmm? So. Okay, all right. We stop there. She, she, uh, yeah, quickly. Just one thing to uh, emphasize uh, your opening comments regarding the uh, mm-hmm. servants of Radharani. Yes. Uh, there's in the Ramananda Sambad a discussion. Mm-hmm. Radha gets one million or a hundred million times the pleasure when she is able to unite another gopi with Krishna. Yeah. So imagine the, the position of those that that refuse that. Yeah. How much pleasure they must be giving. Yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's some math to their bhakti. <laughs> it's, a, it's a strategy there. She Radha Govinda ki jai, Radha Madhava ki jai, Siman Mahaprabhu ki jai, Guru Vaishnava Guru Parampara ki jai, Gaur Bhakti